Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to give you an update on a few things that I'm working on and kind of a lack of productivity on my end, but I have a few excuses or at least things I'm going to tell you about. I don't know if they're good excuses or not, but I don't know, maybe it'll help you out a little bit. So we do have some fun things and other projects that I have been working on, some of which I have mentioned before and some I haven't talked about really at all. So I'm going to dive into some of those. So number one, you may remember I started another YouTube channel. This was back in January because I was doing dry January. My wife and I both gave up alcohol for 31 days. Everything went well. I was shooting some video around it, some progress updates, and I'm still interested in publishing a video about how we stopped drinking alcohol for a full month. However, actually getting all of that material together has proved to be less of a priority for me. I think that's the best way to put it. I'm still interested in it and I still think about it. I have probably half the script written and a lot of B-roll and some other some other videos that can be used within the video, the overall video. It just has not come together yet. And part of the reason is it's just not a high priority. Now, a lot of the videos that I personally watch on YouTube are related to personal uh, improvement, optimizing certain pieces of your life. And I, I like those topics. I'm into it. But actually putting together a video that is entertaining, that has good information, plus sort of takes you on a little bit of a story, a little bit of a journey, that's really tough to do. I've been spending more time trying to up the production quality of my videos in general for the, the main channel, but it just takes a little bit more time. That said, with the new channel on this self-improvement stuff, I knew that it wouldn't be the main priority. And I knew that I would potentially need to put it aside and take care of the things I need to take care of before I spend more time on it. So I, I wasn't going to put too much pressure on myself. In fact, I I actually did the second month of challenges in, or I, the second month with a specific challenge where I meditated every day in February. But I also knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to document very much of it along the way. So I, I didn't even mention it until now, but I literally meditated every day in February and it was pretty good. It, it was fun. I, I got a little bit out of it, not as much as I was expecting. So I'll probably revisit it in the future, but I shot literally no video or updates or anything like that. So I just kind of, I realized that I knew I wasn't going to publish stuff on that channel all the time and it was going to be okay. So I gave myself a pass and I, I kind of knew that. I didn't realize that I would get distracted with a few other things before I even got the first video published. That said, I am catching up on some things. So one of the kind of high priority things that I have been working on 
is moving over to Kajabi, which is a learning management system plus a whole marketing platform. So I, I migrated from Aweber over to Kajabi for email marketing. I used to host my own courses at fivefigurenichesite.com and I use Zippy courses and just manage the whole tech stack myself, including the affiliate program, any of the other details associated with hosting your own courses, which it kind of adds up, right? It ends up being quite a lot. So I moved all my my courses over there, including multi-profit site, which was hosted with Internet Marketing Gold, another marketing group and community. It's sort of a full suite of things. But I pulled my course off of there so I could host it on my own, which gives me a lot of capabilities. That said, there's a lot to move. Even though the course is already done, you have to move videos, any of the written lessons. I have to migrate existing users over. You have to format everything, make sure the images are in place. Sometimes there's cover images or thumbnails associated with it and just all those little details. One of the cool things is now... I have all my courses in one place. They're at courses.nichesiteproject.com. So it's easy to find. It's all on my domain. There's nothing weird going on. And it, it's kind of cool how you could host a subdomain like courses.nichesiteproject.com over with Kajabi. And then I have my WordPress install and everything hosted on my blog as normal, just the, the regular domain. The... Other cool part is because it's now on my entire platform and I'm managing everything myself, I can put different pricing plans. It's much easier for me to make changes. Internet Marketing Gold was great to work with and there's no hard feelings. We just realized we were aiming at different goals and kind of moving in different directions there. But the cool part is I am able to do a monthly payment plan, which makes it a lot more attainable for people that don't necessarily have a few hundred bucks to buy a course. So you can have a payment plan. And that is something that I always had in place when I was selling five-figure niche site. From the very beginning, I always had a payment plan because when I got started, that was really important for me when I took courses. So now it's very easy for me to add that in IMG, Internet Marketing Gold, was was cool whenever I needed to make a change, but I still had to go through a couple people. It was very difficult for me to actually go in and make changes on my own. So now, at Kajabi, everything's right there. I can make those changes, and it's super easy. Plus, from a marketing standpoint, I can email all the students who are enrolled in a specific course and let them know I've made an update. I don't have to go through other people to make that happen. So a uh, f- funny little story, the day that I'm sent or the day that I'm recording this, I actually sent out an email with Kajabi and screwed up and actually sent it to everyone who is subscribed to any email list with me. Luckily it's all associated with niche site project, but typically I send out the broadcast emails to a specific group and not everyone. I just forgot and got a little uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't in a hurry, but I accidentally sent out an email to everyone instead of just the subset that I was planning on. So 
not the worst thing in the world, but just a, a little, a little bit of mistake that can help you understand that it's okay if you make a mistake. I felt pretty dumb that I did that, and I was thinking, oh no, this is going to bite me in the ass. I don't think it's going to be the worst thing in the world. I've made worse mistakes at other times, but it was definitely. Uh, a, I'm going to remember next time. I'll put it that way. I'm going to remember next time, and. Gosh, it's just, it's a bummer when you screw up when you're using a tool and the consequences go out to many thousands of people, over 10,000 people. So it happens. If you make a mistake, it's okay. You'll get over it. In a few days, no one will remember that you even made that mistake. A couple other things I'm working on. One thing I finished up today taxes. I have been putting that off and it is March the 15th, the day that I'm recording this. So I got a little behind. I typically would like to have that done a little bit sooner, but it is kind of dreadful. I I thought about doing my taxes for a pretty long time. And I have an accountant and a bookkeeper that helps out with some stuff. So it's not like I have to manually do everything, but I probably should have just done it as soon as possible because it hasn't been nearly as bad the last couple of years just because I'm much better about keeping every little scrap of paper. My bookkeeping's pretty tight. So it's fairly straightforward for me to submit all the forms, but it's always in the back of my mind. and It makes me feel stressed out. So once I did it, I feel great today. I'm like, oh, I finished my taxes. My accountant is pretty quick. I think she'll be able to run through it a couple days, a week, something like that, and everything will be good to go. I'm sure I'll probably have to find a couple other forms or or things for her, but I think I have the majority of it done. Oh, good grief. But yeah, taxes, just, just not fun. And if you have your own business, you're probably paying quarterly. And when you do that, there's not as many surprises along the way. I mean, actually, there should not be any surprises along the way. But that said, you still have to file your taxes. I almost forgot to mention that I'm opening up multi-profit site for enrollment at the end of March for five days. You might remember a few months back, I closed enrollment for all my courses so that I could open them up for specific launch periods. There's a couple of reasons I do that. The number one reason is to add scarcity to the launch, to the sales process in general. Some people may not love that. Some people may say it's false scarcity or sort of high pressure tactics. But the fact is, I know that for me personally, If there's a deadline, I will think about a specific product or an offer and think, do I want that? And I'll have to decide if I'm going to buy that product or not buy that product. It forces me to make a decision. And from a sales perspective, and I eventually do want to sell products, it's very helpful. If someone has to make a decision, at least they're going to think, do I want this? Do I not want it? There's some other factors in there, of course, but they make a decision. What is not very effective is just having enrollment open all the time. When enrollment's open all the time, people know it's there. They think, ah, you know what, maybe I'll come back to it later. I'm not really in the mood to think about it right now. And when you have scarcity in there, 
including a deadline that helps people think about it. From a sales perspective, it's huge. It makes a big difference. And that's why people run these launches. Now, the other reason is it helps me because I have a very small team. I have a video editor and then an executive assistant who helps me out with emails, some just general work on various websites, and serves as my assistant, basically. So when I open enrollment for a course, there are more questions, there's more support that needs to be done, and that kind of work is something that I do. So if I have launches, it's easier for me to manage a launch and basically work with the people who enroll in the course. So it's easier for me versus if I have open enrollment and let's say, you know, five people join multi-profit site each month, then there's five people each month to support that I would have to onboard and kind of help out if they have some questions. If I can enroll a group of people, with these launches and maybe 15 or 20 folks will enroll or if I'm lucky, maybe 30 or 50, if they enroll, then I'm able to support them and kind of batch process the whole situation. So it makes it a little easier for me. Great benefits with the launches. I had scarcity and then it's easier for me to manage and onboard the students and Basically, I have enough courses now with the Haro link building course. I have an email marketing course. I have a productivity course. I think there may be one other one or at least one on the way. So I have enough where I can launch a a different course at my leisure, basically. Every uh, few months, I can open it back up for a specific course. I can run a quick weekend opening and that has worked out pretty well. So I'm, I'm continuing to test it and see how it'll pan out in the future. But at this point, I'm probably just going to open up courses at my leisure every few months. This episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic and the SiteSpeed Accelerator, which helps your site load faster. You can go and check and see what your Google PageSpeed Insight score is and then what the SiteSpeed Accelerator might be able to get you to. You can just follow the link in the show notes here for Ezoic. And then there's some specific area about the SiteSpeed Accelerator and you can head over there and just enter your domain name. With a core web vitals update coming around from Google before too long, shoot, it's going to be here before we know it, the site speed is going to be really important. How important? Well, I wish I knew the answer to that. I've talked to some people and they think it could be devastating for some sites, but my hunch is as long as you're doing most things mostly right, you're probably going to be okay. But if you have a very poorly loading site or you have some major issues with uh, a site loading on mobile and displaying well, I bet those are the kind of issues that are actually going to hit you pretty hard. Who knows though? Google is uh, doing their own thing. And I mean, from a actual browser standpoint, as a web browser, I mean, I definitely know that 
ads are kind of getting out of control here and there as far as like, well, I'm thinking specifically of recipes. I may head over, try to find a recipe for something I'm about to cook. And then there's ads on the uh, bottom. There's videos popping up blocking the actual content. And it's just not a good experience. So I'm hoping some of the core web vitals are going to address those areas, which, well, shoot. Like I said, I wish I knew more information, but you can check out the Site Speed Accelerator. And I want to point out, you should definitely look at the Ezoic blog. They have tons of great information and they have a whole category and section on website speed. So I would say it's worth it to peruse and have a look at what they have on the blog, especially that site speed area. I have been obsessed with the site speed for a little while and I have niche site project running uh, alarmingly fast. Most pages are loading in, I don't know, between half a second, three quarters of a second. If it happens to be a pretty big page with maybe a lot of video embeds or a lot of images or something, it may take a little bit longer, but the majority of the pages load really, really fast. Anyway, thanks to Ezoic and the Site Speed Accelerator. In 2021, I wanted to cover more case studies. So, one thing I realized is I'm not very good at following through with these case studies. I mentioned it not too long ago in the site growth case study update. So, I pointed it out there. I had that old age site case study site, which I stayed up to date with for about, I would say six months or so, but eventually it it sort of fizzled out. But the cool thing is I have a few case studies that other people are doing, yet they're documenting them on niche site project. So it's very helpful since I don't have to do the actual writing. I could just serve as editor and help coach where appropriate for these specific case studies. Now, one of the case studies is mine, that site growth case study, but that one's fairly straightforward for me to to write the updates and the work is being done by brand builders. So that makes it very easy for me to stick with. One of the other case studies is the 2X Accelerator, and that's with Christy, who's been on the show many times. She has a site that has been making... 3500 to 5000 per month for the last several months, and you could imagine she's trying to double the revenue. The standard advice is to add more content and get backlinks. Perhaps double the content or triple the content if you want to double the revenue. In this case, I'm guiding Christy to sell her own products, to create her own products, build an email list, and really look to build a brand potentially physical products, but digital products are my specialty and that's where I have the most experience. So we're taking a little bit of a different route. It's been going well. The site has been getting uh, record traffic. There's been a recent update to cover February. So we're getting monthly updates from Christy and you can follow along. Plus you can go back in the archive for this podcast or on YouTube where Christy hit her first $100 month. We've been documenting her progress the whole time, and I'm excited to see you know what she'll be able to do this year in 2021. 
Another case study in play is with Charlie, who was a very popular guest on the podcast and on YouTube. He published something like 500 articles on his first website back in 2020, and he had a goal to publish a thousand articles on a site that he started in, I think, late December of 2020. The cool thing is his new site is on pace to have, I think, the thousand articles published before September, if I remember right. And the other amazing thing is his first site is starting to grow. It's a seasonal niche and it's kind of starting the the growth period and the season is upon us. So there'll be a lot to cover with Charlie, both with his new site and his existing site. And finally, and I haven't published this last case study yet, but there's someone uh, from the audience who reached 10K per month in less than a year, relatively new to affiliate marketing, and he's going to be documenting a lot on Niche Site Project. So I won't mention too much because the post hasn't been published yet, but it should very shortly. And I'm hoping to get monthly updates from him as well. I'll just, his name's Adam. I can mention that his name's Adam and he'll be documenting also. I may have one other case study out there to be covered, but it remains to be seen. And as I step back just from a, a meta kind of way. When I look at it, I'm not 100% sure if I'm marketing these case studies in an effective way. I think people are interested in them, but I don't think I'm seeing the same sort of sharing. I don't know if people care about them as much. So one thing I might do is I have some friends that run Facebook groups and they have fairly sizable Facebook groups. And I think those are areas where people like to hear these case studies. Now, when I'm actually thinking about it, I also know that Facebook doesn't love to send people off of the platform. And sometimes people have grown their Facebook groups by sharing their case studies within the Facebook group. And I'm trying to get them off of the Facebook group over to my blog. But we'll see how it goes. I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it, but it would be nice if more people were checking out these case studies. Not all of them are going to be like super exciting all the time. And sometimes when a case study is starting to get more results, that's when it may take off a little bit more. We'll see how it goes though. I have an announcement. I apparently buried it about 20 minutes into this episode, but I'm starting a new podcast. Unlike the YouTube channel that I mentioned before where I've sort of pushed it away as a lower priority, this one's going to be a higher priority. The podcast is called Mile High Fi, and I am working with my friend Carl Jensen, who blogs over at 1500days.com. You might remember Carl because I interviewed him a couple times on this show. We had great conversations, really fun time. And after the last episode, I just flat out asked him if he wanted to start a show with me because we both really enjoyed it. He was into the idea and was in a place, is in a place where he finished up a few projects, a couple big things that uh, were taking up really a ton of his time. And now 
he has a little more free time. So we are starting the show. We've recorded a couple podcasts already, a couple episodes. We want to get a few more under our belts before we launch. So I'm not going to put out a specific date, but tentatively, that'll be in the April timeframe. And if you're a longtime listener, you probably remember me talking about more uh, interest in, in me wanting to cover more in the financial independence space. A lot of people are excited about FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early. And I very intentionally just ignore the retire early because I'm clearly working. I'm doing this thing right now with a podcast. And a lot of people end up doing some sort of a side hustle or maybe they get bored and, and start a hobby that in they accidentally start earning money after they retire. So I, I don't even mention the retirement thing. I got laid off, started doing the side hustle more. It became full-time. I enjoy what I'm doing. I can pick projects that I work on. So it's not a bad gig what I have going on right now. Anyway, that said, I've been interested and I actually thought about maybe starting a whole new podcast just by myself about personal finance and financial independence. When Carl said that he was interested, I wasn't sure if it was really going to happen. And we started exchanging some notes and, and talking about it in a more serious way. We actually went to a couple breweries and just chatted about it in general. And we're doing it. We're doing it. So one one cool thing is Carl is well-established in the FI community, and he's been on a lot of other podcasts. He has a lot of friends. He has a lot of contacts, and that means we're going to be able to really grow faster. I am relatively unknown or completely unknown in the FI community. There's a couple of people that know me, but in general, I am an outsider. So that will be super helpful to grow the podcast and, and honestly be able to interview people that would not have talked to me otherwise. Now, this leads me to another point, which is I'm going to be moving my office from my upstairs office where I have a, a very nice layout. My desk is all set up. I have a couple of bookcases behind me. So it looks pretty nice from a YouTube and uh, standpoint. And if I'm on a interview with someone, it looks pretty nice right where I'm at. However, for recording a podcast with two people with the, with the ability to have guests, it's kind of a bad room for that sort of thing. However, I have a basement where there's plenty of room. So I'm going to be moving the studio and my office down to the basement kind of a bummer in some ways because the office is set up so well, but the basement has plenty of space. Carl and I will be able to sit at a table, record the podcast, and even have room for a guest to come in live. I don't think we'll have any live guests in the short term, but sometime in the near future, I hope we'll be able to do that. And the fact is there's a lot of people locally that would be interesting to talk to that are financially independent. Some are legit retired and literally they don't earn any money. They don't do anything specifically productive. And the fact that Mr. Money Mustache HQ is up the street and Carl is a 
part owner, a partner of that facility. I'm a member there. There are people that travel through the area that are significant to the Phi community, and we may be able to trick them to come down to my basement. Not trick them, but we can invite them down to my basement to record a podcast, and Carl and I are super pumped about that. So keep your ears peeled for more information about the new podcast. I'll definitely be talking more and more about it, and I'll let you know when it's going to launch. Let's answer a couple questions for the Niche Website Builders Q&A segment. Niche Website Builders has uh, several different services that I personally use. I really like the content. So they have uh, various content services and they work directly in my WordPress dashboard or my admin or whatever you call it. They log in, they draft the content for me per my specs and I have a standing order of 20,000 words each month. They also have several different link building packages. I'm personally using the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign and have been for, gosh, we're going on close to eight months now, close to eight months, and they've gotten many dozens and dozens of links for me. You should check them out. You can get an additional 10% content. If you use my affiliate code, you could just follow the link in the show notes, or if you buy a link building packages, you can save 10%. So shout out to niche website builders. The question I'm going to cover today comes in various forms, but it's generally about productivity. And I'll give a couple tips around productivity. And number one, you may hear this is how do you stay productive, Doug? How do you get so much done? You seem to do a whole lot? How did you start your business when you were working full time and you traveled some as well? So when you peel back a lot of what I've done personally, I actually view it as me being kind of a wreck and not necessarily doing as good of a job as it looks. That's because probably we're all a little crazy in our own way. (laughs) So If it feels like maybe you're not as efficient or effective as you should be, that's probably okay. I can give you a few tips. One of the things that I know I was very good at at work, which I wasn't necessarily great in various areas, I was very much an average employee. Yeah, I would say average. I was going to say below average in some areas, but I was roughly average. I didn't really stick out, which is kind of (laughs) like, that's where I like to be overall. One thing I was really good at is if something was really going wrong and it needed to be solved that day, my bosses and boss's boss would come to me. They would actually take a big issue from someone else and give it to me because I was very good at resolving things. The reason why is I literally ignored other stuff that was going on. I would cancel meetings that I had coming up. I would have other obligations that I was maybe supposed to take care of that day or that week, for example. But I was given a high priority item and I had the blessing from my boss or my boss's boss to resolve it. I could communicate with people that were 
a few levels above me, maybe that I wouldn't be able to communicate with otherwise. And I had the blessing of management. So I could stop working on the things that were distracting me. And that's the whole point here. I literally would just tell people, hey, I have a higher priority thing. If you have any issues, you could talk to my boss and they'll tell you that (laughs) you can find some help elsewhere. Maybe they will help you. But the fact is, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be able to help you. And I could just send people to my boss and be able to focus on that high priority issue that had to be resolved that day. So what that means from a practical standpoint is you have to potentially ignore some things and maybe let a few bad little things happen. I literally have done this in the last few weeks, the last few months, I guess. Remember the YouTube channel that I told you that I started and I kind of had to put it aside because other higher priority things came up? I realized, you know what? I'm just going to have to let that sit there for a little while. I knew that could be a possibility and I feel bad that it's sitting there, but I'm not letting it stress me out. I'll come back to it when there's time or maybe I realize that was a dumb idea. I shouldn't have even started a new channel. I should just kill it. That is also a possibility. I'm not sure. And I don't have to decide right now and it's totally okay. So if you're in a position where you're thinking, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep up with all this stuff. I have my full-time job. I have my family. I have these other obligations. I'm not sure what to do. Plus, I started like three or four sites. That's a very common thing that I hear people talk about. They maybe start a few sites. They're overcommitted. They have too many projects going on. It is absolutely okay if you put something aside for a little while. You can come back to it later if you want to. You don't have to though. It is really okay if you see that it's not a good project for you to put time into. Just get rid of it. You can just get rid of the project. You potentially, if it's a website, you potentially could sell it to someone who can spend time on it. So that's a possibility too. Or you could just leave it alone and it'll eventually go away. So I'm not saying I'm going to give up on that other YouTube channel, but the fact is I have a couple other things that are a little more exciting and probably have more potential to grow. So I'm going to spend time there. If you are having trouble figuring out what to spend time on or what to get rid of, one great rule of thumb would be to look at what is working best for you right now. Let's say you have one website and it is clearly getting more traffic. It is ranking better. It's earning more money. Maybe it's something you're more interested in too, but you have a couple other websites that you started and they're not doing as well. Spend time on the things that are working the best. That's a a great way to look at it. It makes it much easier and most likely you're going to get better results faster with a project that's already doing better than the others. So that's what I would do. That's what I would spend the time on there. And let me look at some of my other notes here. Oh yeah. As far as priorities and distractions from a productivity standpoint, you should often build in a little bit of a buffer, build in some extra time because things are going to go wrong. Things are going to take a little longer 
than you expect. So a little example, which is not specific to niche sites or anything, but there were a few things that kept me very much off task over the last three months. We recently moved into a new home back in 2020 and our home warranty, it was a brand new home. So there, there was a warranty and our home warranty is going to be running out soon. So I needed to file and have some work done. Well, one thing that needed to be done was uh, repainting some things in the basement where the paint wasn't done properly. So the downside to that is when contractors come in, it's very disruptive. And the particular work that needed to be done was not only disruptive because I had to go and, and chat with the contractors, let them in, let them out, and make sure they had what they needed. It was also extremely noisy. It was very noisy and all this was happening directly below my feet, underneath my office. And it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. There was construction going on underneath me and it was really loud and it was very disruptive. So that happened and that was one full day. That took some time. The unfortunate part is the work had to be redone because they didn't do it right. So there were two additional days where I was disrupted. It was loud. So basically three days were thrown out. So I could try to work, but anytime I got into a groove, I just ended up having someone you know, knock on my office door and I had to stop what I was doing and I just couldn't get moving. So the fact, the fact is things like that are going to happen. It's just life. Whether it's on a project that you're working on or you have some stuff going on at work or whatever, you may have uh, your child get sick at school if they're going to the the school at this point in time but you may have to go and pick them up take them to the doctor there's some other things to do you may have a dog that gets sick too unfortunately hopefully there's not all the sickness going on around you but unexpected things happen you may have to give a friend a ride or some other thing happen so if you can build into your schedule a little slack, actually have as much slack as you possibly can get away with because things are going to go wrong. Worst case scenario, you have slack in your schedule and you're going to finish your work early. You're going to finish the project early. You're going to feel good about it. And you can always add more tasks to your list later. But if you leave slack in there when things go wrong, which 100% of the time, something unexpected is going to happen, you'll have that slack in the schedule. And it makes it a lot easier to deal with those unexpected issues that crop up. Personally, I've done a very bad job with building in that slack just because you know I wasn't planning on having three extra days of uh you know, contractors in here that I wasn't planning on where not only would I have to let them in, it was just going to be, you know, fucking noisy and, and really disruptive and, and Georgie's freaking out and there's just all these little things going on and to peel back this whole situation a little further, I was fighting with the warranty rep too. So I had to negotiate and figure out how to manage that whole thing get them to come back and redo the work that they didn't do 
properly. So anyway, if you can build some slack into your schedule, it'll feel really good if nothing goes wrong because you'll finish early. And if you build the slack in, then you at least have a little time when those inevitable issues do crop up. So thanks to niche website builders, really appreciate their sponsorship. And even if you're not in the market for links or content right now, hop over there, just hit them up in the chat or shoot them an email and say, hey, we appreciate you sponsoring The Doug Show. It helps me uh, you know, keep producing these shows for you. I think I'm gonna call it a day here. My voice is kind of leaving me. I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked that much, but anyway, I'll just get closer to the mic and say, have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.